Optional Podcast, episode 222, <laughs> featuring Rihanna Pratchett and Living Pink, um, as well as Brooke. She is here with us. Jesse is not. So this is the, what, the Cox Optional Codpack? Yeah, the Cox Cox? Optional Oh, Cox. wow. That's, wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good I way totally, to start it off. <laughs> I, I totally didn't go into innuendo or anything. No. Yo, Rihanna's picture that we're using looks elegant as hell. Mm-hmm. I, know, right? I, I look like I'm off the, the Heroes box set. Yeah. Like staring into the middle distance. But when, when I, in reality, I just basically had a wind machine in my face and I couldn't see, but it sort of come, come out quite well, despite that. But yeah, it's the wind machine in the face. I love yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like anytime somebody's taking a picture of me, they're like, all right, do this and this. It's going to feel awkward, but it's going to look amazing. And I feel like maybe that's <laughs> what's going on with you. Are, are you referencing yeah, you a get, certain you get pizza shoot? terrible <laughs> shots and then one awesome one. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I love the pizza photo shoot, shoot that you did, Brooke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't that awkward was, at all. That was that was a lot of me just being like, I'm just going to eat pizza if you guys want to take photos. And they were like, great. So that was <laughs> probably yeah, it's, my it's, favorite thing that my, I've ever done, ever. Same here, because every, uh, every time I look um, for photos to put in like the thumbnails of the podcast, <laughs> I'm always looking... I go like Google Just images in right? underwear with pizza, and, and, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, either I could choose the one of Brooke eating pizza. Or I could just choose one where she has any number of different colored hair at the time and right. maybe just has a derpy look on her face. I think I'll go I with like that one. I like to give you options. <laughs> there are a, broad a lot range. of options. <laughs> so for people who do not know, uh, Rihanna Pratchett is a former games journalist um, and present games writer, uh, worked on several games that you may have played, including Tomb Raider, um, Overlord, Mirror's Edge, Heavenly Sword. Um, yeah, so you may have bumped into her narrative at some point in time, but she is a lovely lady who's agreed to be on the show. Welcome, Rihanna. Thank you for having me. This is not my first uh, podcast. I think I, I don't know where my when my first was um, with John along. I don't know what number that would have been. That was back in 2014. So this is, in fact, my second second appearance on this podcast. Yes, it was quite a while ago. And I believe we were talking about gaming narrative back then as well. So Yeah, it was 2014. I think it was recorded quite a while before it went out because I think it went out in, in November 2014. But I think it was recorded maybe in April or May of that year. Yeah, hmm. so now we get to catch up with you on what you've been doing recently. <laughs> the past like, four years. <laughs> I mean, we have so many unanswered narrative questions on Tomb Raider. Like, why oh, did, God, it, take, why did it take Lara so many years to learn how to repel? I, I just oh. don't know. I can't even. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, and our other guest, uh, Jean-Vive Boiget, uh, from the wonderful world of gaming she has been a starcraft 2 pro player she's been a personality and interviewer um and of course a games developer in her own right she used to work with uh ubisoft montreal Mm -hmm. on far cry i believe yes and And uh, for a year on rainbow six yes rainbow uh, six siege was like her baby for a while yes Um, for four years but now 
it's lying on its own with all of my friends because <laughs> I made a lot of friends on Rainbow. <laughs> but it's cool. Great. I'm proud of them. They're doing great. <laughs> and now most recently, she's over at Behavior Games working on a new game, Death Garden, which I believe goes exactly. out. Was, goes out. It was in closed beta recently, mm -hmm. and I believe yes. it goes out um, in August. Is that right? Exactly. That yes. Our early access will begin in August. We haven't set the date yet, but... Uh, it's quite soon. If we look at the dates, it's a, I'm like, wow, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> be live forever. <laughs> so yeah. today I decided to get an all female assemble cast to kind of discuss a few things that have been going on lately, I guess, news wise. Uh, some of you may have heard of the recent issues at, over at ArenaNet, uh, maker of Guild Wars. About certain people being let go for behavior on their social media. And so I guess we can kind of jump right in with this topic. It's it's kind of a deep topic, so you're going to have to bear with us here. But um, Jessica Price recently um, mentioned on, on Twitter, had some interactions uh, talking basically about gaming narrative and how games are written. And she has done a really great job at writing things for Guild Wars. Um, there have been tons of people singing her praises. She did a very in-depth AMA over on Reddit. However, uh, due to an interaction with a fan who might have been slightly overzealous and pointing out his opinion on gaming narrative, she was Jessica was let go as, along with another ArenaNet developer. And so this kind of starts the question of, this podcast is now about ethics and gaming. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're not Oof. going there. Um, <laughs> no, it begs the question of uh, what is and is not appropriate behavior in the game development world, in the game press world, what constitutes as behavior? Like, do they hire you as a person for your skill set or do they hire you for your brand and your following? Um, opinions, anyone, feel free to jump in. I'm so interested to hear what Rihanna and Jen have to say because they've actually like worked for games companies before. So I'm just like, <laughs> I, I think it can vary from studio to studio. I think it's slightly different with me because I work freelance. So I'm, I'm not um, beholden to a particular studio. And I, th I think it also depends on how public facing your role is, whether you're, you know, you're kind of, out there in the press giving interviews or your if you're in a situation where you feel like you have to say my opinions are my own yeah or, or you're, you know you, you're you're kind of dealing with the community um kind of as as part of your job whether it's you know a community manager or, or press um i mean i i know certainly through you know the tomb raider times particularly with the first game i know crystal dynamics sort of kept an eye on my um my Twitter feed and I, I think occasionally they cautioned me very, very gently from kind of getting into arguments with people on Twitter <laughs> to do to do with, with kind of Tomb Raider um, and, you know, uh, not just arguments. They didn't caution me against having arguments in general, but um, certainly there was a lot of debate when, when uh, during the kind of early days of, of Tomb Raider footage and various controversies and things like that. There was a lot of misrepresentation a lot of blog posts written and I think they, they didn't kind of want me to get into kind of too many online debates and you know I just um 
I, I'm very, I'm, I'm very polite naturally. And I, I kind of, I sometimes I wish I wasn't. And I don't know whether it's just because I'm very British or I'm just very conditioned <laughs> to be polite or it's just how I am. So I, I do try and I, I'm always quite polite or if I don't want to be polite I'll just I'll just mute someone um and I'm not polite on the inside but um I I do know that that people watch my Twitter feed and my my tweets sometimes get turned into news stories so I'm definitely aware of of what I'm saying and and whom quite a lot because I've had you know I've had news stories come out of of things I've tweeted so I am I am somewhat aware of it um right so yeah, that that's been been my experience. Yeah, I, f- I felt like um, I don't think I'm alone in uh, saying that when I mm-hmm. when I read the conversation, it did feel like she overreacted toward him, and I know that she's responded saying like he was kind of the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> <video>. <laughs> he that, like, was that, the camel. <laughs> that he was the camel. <laughs> he was the camel. Whatever that means. <laughs> Um, and I guess like, like looking at it, I was going, wow, that was like an extreme reaction to what looks to me like a fairly normal, like jumping off point for discussion. But do I think that she should have been fired over it? It feels, it feels to me like arena net just like, didn't want the drama Right. Like the the way that they reacted to the situation was that they just they saw potential drama focused on their company and they were like, we don't want that. <laughs> and like this was how they chose to deal with it. And it sets a really um, confusing precedence, I think. I mean, they created more drama, if anything else. For sure. <laughs> I, 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 they, they seem to go about it in the in the most drama creating way. I mean, I. I didn't I mean her first her first tweet in response did not like it didn't seem like a, a, a big overreaction to me mm. it sort of seemed like a bit weary mm. like to it was just mm-hmm. like oh thank, thanks for explaining to me mm. what what we do internally my dude and a kind of little eye face and I thought oh yeah, yeah. and you know it's just it's kind of a weariness at, at right um, but it's true there was no article until like she got fired right yeah. Um, I believe that yeah, was I think the, so. and, and what started it. Yeah, she see it sort of. She just seems a bit weird, kind of weary, and um, and then he immediately said, "Oh, don't get mad." And I think it, that 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 kind of I think if a woman shows um, anything other than one hundred percent politeness, sometimes mm. you get that. Oh, don't get mad. Don't freak out. And I'm thinking she wasn't i think right. that kind of maybe irritated her into to, to escalating it um yeah. because he kind of immediately accused her of getting mad and and it just seemed like she was just a bit weary with with kind of um that attitude of kind of popping up and and kind of explaining how to do your job i don't think he meant it in a bad way and i think he was just right maybe showing off a bit or, or just super excited and, and 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 things just got escalated. But for me, I could kind of see where her irritation came from. I think it just got es- escalated a lot. But yeah, it just I, I think Arena Net dealt with it in a terrible way. I think mm-hmm. it, it was just it just became it's 
you know, it, it's it's increased the drama like a hundredfold, um, and it has it has ramifications for the, for the whole industry. I think. For me, it's like there there's three main points that I I, uh, I keep in mind at the end of it all. Like, basically, to me, everyone has a part of responsibility in a way. Like, personally, as someone who has like a public figure and works for a company, I always have opted to be politically correct. And it's a decision. Like, I avoid anything religious or about, like, even feminism, even though, like, I'm truly for equality and I want to promote women. Uh, I don't tweet about, like, that point. And I don't bring up, like, any controversial topic because I personally don't feel I'm equipped to deal with it. Like, I'm not a PR company and I could make a mistake and I don't want to get onto thin ice, so I just avoid it. So, like, I think, like, you know when you're venturing into dangerous territory, so it's like, I admire people that do it and that it works out, but, you know, like, there is a risk and people should be aware of that. But then again, on the flip side, it's also kind of the company's responsibility to draw the lines, like, for the employees, right? Like, you know people can have social media, like if you have rules you should set them from the get-go and help your like employees be able to follow them in my mind like it's it's like those two ways and you should be able to also like once the 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 lines are drawn because i don't know like whatever the context was but the company like I feel if they warned everybody about the lines, they should be able to take action. But if they haven't warned about the lines, I feel they should be able to like support their employees and kind of give them a warning, like Rihanna was saying, and like help move forwards. And uh, yeah. the, the last point, and the, I'm done with my opinion, but uh, also like giving power to Reddit over firing someone and their livelihood. Like if Reddit thinks that they have that power, it's like, it's so wrong. Like oh the, the public opinion should never have control over someone's livelihood. Like, are they doing a good job? Are they like, did they, did they do something wrong? Like, you know, it's, it shouldn't be Reddit. Like they're not paying their salary. Like <laughs> why would right. you fire people? Yeah. And there was so much response after it that was along the lines of like, we, we did could get Reddit. anyone fired. <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was terrifying. It was like, oh, we've, we've got them by the throat. We can, we can do anything we want. We can got, get every, anyone fired. And then that started a kind of an, a wave of, of emails coming out to companies as female developers, sort of try, you know, trying to get them reprimanded or, or kind of fired. And Jen, uh, Jennifer Scholl has posted about that. Um, and I think there's there's been a few posts of have talked about how their companies have been um, getting emails, you know, asking their their bosses to address their behaviour on Twitter, and so it's having repercussions. Um, I mean, I, I I'm taking this this um, particular incident in in isolation from anything Jessica has has tweeted before, because I believe right. that you can you don't have to kind of support everything that anyone has tweeted in the past to think that they have been treated unfairly um i mean i think that there's probably stuff that could have been done that that, you know they could have got a conversation between jessica and and the the streamer in private and and kind of talked it out and maybe it would have been a a good learning experience for both of them you know they they might just you know she might have decided that maybe the company wasn't a good fit for her but kind of doing it 
all out in, in kind of public um, like that just felt very, very unfair. Um, and yeah, yes, the, the kind of repercussions. Um, and I know Jessica has talked about how when she came to Arena Net, she said, look, I'm very vocal online. I was going to mention that too. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, well you support it. And they supported it right up to the point they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it just... And she's always she's oh you're right she's always been very yeah. vocal about her opinions online so yeah and i don't understand peter's firing as well that one mm-hmm. was weird that, for me um like he, it was a kind of very mild defense yeah and then gets fired for it and i, I kind of don't understand where that goes um just for people who may not know this the interaction that happened i'm just going to sort of recap a little bit just so you can get a bit of context as to what we're actually talking about um so jessica price was on twitter after an ama on reddit um kind of going through this massive thread i believe it was something like 20 some odd responses to her own tweets kind of like laying out her process and how she goes about her her job um so it was very you know professional like this is this is my process um, and then a guy, I believe it's Deror, comes in and uh, sort of gives a bit of a suggestion. He's like, well, allow me to slightly disagree. I don't believe the issue lies in the MMORPG genre itself, as your wording seemingly suggests. I believe the issue lies in the constraints of the Living Stories narrative design. Now, keep in mind, written medium of any kind can always be interpreted several different ways if you're not talking to someone you don't know where the emphasis lies and where the inflection lies you could very easily see that as maybe combative or an unwelcome suggestion because you are replying to 23 of your own tweets in an attempt to sort of tell people your process it's your personal story so to speak and some people do believe that their twitter is their space and you know invading your twitter timeline whoa sacred don't go there um but this happens to be a streamer who just the night prior to this incident occurring was praising jessica price's narrative and her ability to keep the living story going within guild wars 2. Uh, so it, it is difficult, but every story has two sides. It is difficult to determine that this particular streamer had some sort of animosity or ill intentions, or it is possible that perhaps he had addressed her before, and we don't know that. Um, so I just wanted to provide a bit of context there. Her response to his interjecting into her 23, 24 tweets in response to her self-train of thought was... Today, in being a female game dev, allow me, a person who does not work with you, explain to you how to do your job. And so she not only responded, but she retweeted his tweet and then sort of made it about, like, sexist, almost. Very directly putting, you know, a a barrier there. It's like, here's a dude trying to tell a woman how to do her job. And as a woman in the games industry, I totally understand that you kind of get very used to seeing (laughs) dude bros trying to help out. And sometimes things can come off a little bit, I don't know, not so much misogynistic, but, you know, they do take a bit of a a tone, I guess. But keep in mind, this is, again, a written medium. It can be taken in many different ways. And then she followed that up by basically talking, well, calling him a rando asshat. 
<laughs> so that's the kind of the context of of the yeah. exchange that had happened just for people who may not have been following this particular development and then uh jessica's colleague peter freeze comes into the the story and kind of defends her on twitter basically you know tells this guy you know hey you need to back off jessica does a great job here um you know don't try to tell her what to do or how to do her job and so this resulted this happened over independence day here in america so the fourth of july so both jessica and peter were both off the clock and this exchange happened in a space that is technically not controlled by arena net and so the very next day that is when Jessica gets let go, as well as her colleague, Peter. And this was out without previous warning, as far as we know from Jessica's messages, that she was not given any kind of prior warning or a slap on the wrist and said, no, please don't do that. Don't do this in future. It was literally straight out, no warning, you're fired. Um, and Peter, the same thing. Again, we have no knowledge if they had any sort of performance-related issues behind the scenes, and maybe that played into it. But as far as we, the public, know, it was literally, hey, you're fired because you were mean to someone who is a player of our game. Right. So that's that's kind of the, the overall sort of glossing, I guess, of, yeah. of the exchange that happened. I really don't understand... Peter getting fired because he was supporting an employee. Right. And he's and he's very positive overall about like the game and the company and like I I was surprised that it happened to both of them. Same. Um well so I, I, it's more of a neutral statement I'm just going to add. But uh, it, it's true in the past, like when I, I started as a community developer, so you, you have like a formation and you think about like how to reply to people a lot. One of the things that we talked about and put in our own guidelines was like, and that was not at the company I work at right now, but I, I still carry that over with me. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like, don't get into conflict, just provide information. Like, never get it. Just add information if you can, like, help clarify a situation that is misunderstood. But don't, like, never fuel the fire. Like, don't. But should that, should that apply to literally everyone that works at a company? I don't know. Like, to, to me, I'm always careful. Like, I'm. Yeah. I mean, me too. Personally, I'm like an ex. Like, when I'm tweeting, it's like, let's be extra paranoid right now. Could anyone <laughs> ever. <laughs> interpret ever and hate me for it and if the answer is yes i'm like i'll just share that thought with someone i know in person because i'm not comfortable with like i don't i just don't want to fire i don't know what to say i i'm i'm lame yeah. on twitter <laughs> it's, it's a balancing act right it, it's between mm -hmm kind of like your your kind of public persona and how you deal with the public and, and who you are as a person and your your you know your feelings about being a human in the world and you know you at the same time you you kind of want to be polite but you don't want to lose who you are and your voice and and you know because that's what a lot of uh twitter followers um follow you for uh and it's just a very it was a very strange situation I, I was very surprised that she didn't just get a kind of a reprimand or they use it as a, a kind of a, a, a teachable moment for everyone yes. really sure. 
Um, and, you know, I think if there'd been problems with their behavior in the past, then that arena net would probably have put that on their statement because that, that might have seen, you know, be seen as backing up what, what they were doing, but they made it very much about those particular tweets. Mm. And, you know, I, it's, it's definitely not the way I would have dealt with the situation, but that that's, that's just me. Um, and it just seemed, I think that, yeah, the public nature and the, the kind of ramifications we've been seeing. And I think I can't remember who it was tweeted about how their company had received an email and instead of actually having a name in it, it had percentage female name. I read um, that. That was and, and like it was just it was just a blank. It was just a, a kind of um, a template letter uh, that had been, been kind of done by people to just to just bombard companies <laughs> with female employees that might be vocal on Twitter. And it's just that is is kind of horrifying. Yeah, um, I mean, a, like any developer, anyone working on a game should feel like they can speak up for themselves. Like taking away that sort of autonomy is also dangerous, right? You shouldn't feel like threatened to have an opinion, but mm. like still, like to me, you know, a lot of people. I know that's taking a stab at so many people, but a lot of people write like tweets are my own. Like that doesn't change anything. Like if you're writing that you're working at that company and people know that, like you you can't say literally anything because you just wrote that in your Twitter bio. Like it's mm. like. It, it is a public space you know it, it is recorded forever and ever whether you like it or not so like you have to be conscious of that though. but mm. but i do not think that like firing people is the like you know reddit shouldn't get power to fire people for sure yeah but like you can't dismiss what you're doing in a public space i believe it's just kind of oh no actually i mean i i definitely agree with that I think it's mostly the illusion that Reddit was responsible for getting someone fired. I, I'm pretty sure that other people probably took it upon themselves to comment, you know, when certain things are out of line, possibly with a colleague, if they're gunning for the same promotion, other things, you know, there are other ways to escalate that kind of situation. Uh, the thing that kind of got to me is I started seeing uh, an article circulating around um, from uh, the IGDA on game devs or on social media. It's a post by Jen McLean and it kind of outlines sort of, you know, what what policies are you as a, as a game developer or a publisher? What responsibilities are you actually trying to exert on your employees? Are you going to back them up in the event that they are attacked? Is it something that you don't want them to handle it themselves? You want them to come to you for assistance in, you know, diffusing a situation when it involves, you know, a, an employee and perhaps a disgruntled gamer or somebody who just has an opinion that's differing from yours. And I, I, one thing I do think that this situation has caused is a lot of conversation is going to start to take place in varying companies across the world who are involved in gaming as to what is and what is not appropriate and what spaces do they actually have control over possibly new right. contracts being written new clauses that say you know you can't talk about our game on social media there are and there's so many different levels that each game developer has already sort of you know put down for themselves some companies, they have a completely zero communication policy where, hey, it's all closed, alpha, closed, beta, nobody can talk about anything. 
you right. don't talk about the game to anyone but at the same time that very distinctly puts a big boundary between the community and your game and if your game is community centered like a, a an mmorpg for example anything that happens to have you know you want that huge community interaction and helping create the world and, and create the game i think that that divide is very very painful mm -hmm. um you're trying mm -hmm. to invite players into your community and I know Jen, you've worked on a couple of games where yeah. community yeah. actually plays a very big part in it. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that being one of those developers saying you can't talk about anything, I don't want you to discuss the game, anything that you're working on at all over social media, because that's 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 hard. It's very difficult to like set the tone right. Like I know like at any company or on any game that I've worked on, it's always a topic of discussion. It's like, how much can people express their opinions? How much can they interact with people? And like, I know the dream is that everyone can interact with everyone, but I think like if you, let's say, allow this, it's really important that you give the proper tools to the people you empower to talk, to like, you know, not make a mistake and to right. be safe and to live it well, you know, like, you know, because anytime you go into a public role, like I, I knew that because I used to stream. So I'm expecting public backlash every time <laughs> I talk. Uh, but like a lot of people that are devs don't have that experience, right? So you have to prepare them. Like if you're going on stream, there will be someone saying something mean at some point. Mm. Like, you just can't avoid it, right? So you kind of, it's kind of the company's role in my mind to help people that want to talk get to talk but mm. in a safe and comfortable way and it, it seemed that arena net didn't have a, a kind of policy covering social media so jessica kind of suddenly they decided they had one and she'd she'd sort of gone against it without sort of telling her and i right. think she sort of told them what who she, you know what uh, how she uh, interacted online and According to her, they they supported her. And they're like, oh yeah, speak truth to power, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know, she showed them her Twitter and things like that. So they kind of knew who she was and and how how she communicated. And I don't think, given that you know how she's communicated in the past and some of the things she's tweeted in the past, this is like a, a huge surprise. Um, right. But also accusing both her and Peter of attacking the community. I think was was dangerous language because it really painted a target on their backs, um, and and it's sort of like they pushed them out with another target on their backs. And, and you know, I know they've both got a lot of harassment because of that, and it, it's kind of it's it's increased harassment for other game uh, game developers, particularly female game developers as well. And it, it was very incendiary language they used, which I don't I don't think they were attacking the community. Um, I, I don't think that was the right way of describing it. I think it was, you know, a, as as you were saying, a, a kind of a miss, like I think both sides misinterpreted the intentions of the other side. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, that it should have been, you know, they should have just taken um, Jessica aside and talked to her about it. And, and um, maybe, as I say, she could have had a conversation with, with the, the streamer. And yeah, it, it just like, it, it, it yeah. Just, it, yeah, I, I, it was the way it was handled more than anything else that I have, yes. have a problem with. Right. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's why I keep 
trying to figure out like, what was it about this specific situation that made them go, okay, never mind. Because like, like if, if you have seen again, no shade, if you have seen her tweets in the past, like this seemed like, like Jessica, right? (laughs) So what was it about this specific situation that made them go, we need to fire them. And I'm wondering again, if it did just have to do with how big of an issue it was on Reddit in like a day, but I just don't know. I hope it's at least like on the positive side, I hope that it makes like a lot of developers and people that work in gaming companies like discuss this topic because yeah. like communicating it and establishing the rules and getting some help when you're unsure. I feel and, it's and, really, really yeah. important. And protecting uh, protecting developers in a public space as well. It, it needs it kind of needs to to work for for developers as as well as the kind of fan community mm-hmm. as well. I mean, you know, that your employees have to be a huge priority for mm-hmm. you and, and keep, you know, making sure they they know how to conduct themselves online if that is something that you deem should be mm-hmm. part part of your remit and, and, keep, and making sure they keep safe online and what to do if they get harassment mm-hmm. and yeah, like, also so- dealing with harassment or negative comments or like sadness post reading comments <laughs> you know yeah I mean I think that's important and I guess that's the I guess that's maybe a positive that's come out of it is companies are starting to think about it more and ha- how to deal with those things and hopefully there'll be kind of more mm-hmm. clarity in the future um so mm-hmm. this this doesn't happen again but yeah it's there's uh, there's a lot to unpack in this situation yeah I was just really shocked about how quickly this became a sexist issue like <laughs> it was just like one minute we're just talking about you know how things are working, you know, socially, you know, this is what's okay on social media, this is what's not okay. And then all of a sudden, boom, sexist developer explosion happens and other females are coming forward and explaining what's going on with them. And I don't know, it just... It's true, like, to me, the core of this topic is, as a public figure representing a company, how much, like, where's the line? Like, where should you just go, like, hey, is this okay or or not? Uh, I, but I, it's true, there's, like, a subtopic that's, like, somehow sexism, which is theoretically unrelated. Uh, well, it, it became related I mean, because she's the one who brought it up. That was, was the whole say, thing. Like, she oh, kind of started the dis- that one. The discourse was, sh- was mm-hmm. shut down because, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I, like, just overall typically have, a problem with that but I, I think the reason that it's like that that conversation has continued to happen is because a lot of the people who are now being targeted for like maybe we can get this person fired mm-hmm. is so many female yeah. developers mm-hmm. like it's not even necessarily related to you know the like don't mansplain to me sort mm-hmm. of you know yeah shit that was going on in the conversation it's it's where we're at now I think so, yeah, it, it definitely felt there was a kind of a new wave of, of of certain toxic elements starting to target female developers again because because they felt that they hadn't been um, polite enough online, uh, right? And that, yeah, I think that's you know, and and obviously that's not not the majority, but 
yeah, I think people were thinking, okay, maybe maybe things are calming down a bit after Gamergate, and and oh, it's another wave of stuff, and and <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's it's very, it is interesting how um, what happens to one female developer in the industry can can actually reverberate out on onto everyone else as well, and you know, I, I started off in in the games industry when you know there there was a bit of an internet and I think PC Zone had forums and um, maybe kind of people could email us I'm not even sure that, <laughs> that. I, I think they could I like the term there was a bit of an internet there was a I think PC Zone had a forum that's how we interacted with with um, readers uh, and we had our it seems ludicrous these days, but we had our phone numbers in the magazine, <laughs> and I, and yeah, and I remember kind of I would get, get occasional dirty phone calls like that. That was the sort of extent of it, um, <laughs> and yeah, and and so that you know the forum interactions, it's all sort of very kind of you know much all your team could kind of see it, and you know you occasionally got letters. But yeah, that the, the kind of way that fans can reach you these days, and and the kind of uh, the you know the different ways that they can interact, and everything that comes with it, and, and you know I worked I worked very hard to not talk about my gender and just be um, uh, kind of known for my work. So for mm. for a long time in, in the industry, I wouldn't talk about gender related issues um i just wanted to kind of talk about the work and then i think something changed with tomb raider so i i sort of realized that maybe my my gender in the workplace didn't matter to me but it mattered to other people and it mattered to to young women coming up in the, the games industry and, and my friends joked that i came out as a woman when tomb raider um, was released because i started to talk about it more because I, I realized it was important to people but I always sort of kept it first and foremost about the work I was doing. But I started to feel more comfortable about talking about those issues. You know, I had a history of working with, with female protagonists and I felt that I had something to say and I proved myself with my work. And, and I felt like, yeah, I, I, can, I can go out and talk about this and no one's kind of, no one could doubt me too much. But I mean, I had a few, huge a long history before i felt that it was okay to talk about being being women right. in games and so i've talked about it a little bit more i prefer talking about the work but but certainly when gamergate came along it suddenly became all about gender again and uh, like every every interview i had was about being a woman in games and it was like yeah. i've never been anything else <laughs> it's just like, I, don't, I, I don't really know how it, i can't speak for all women i can tell you what it's like to be a rihanna in games, <laughs> yeah, but like maybe, yeah, Ariana Pratchett in games that's about all I have an authority on, but I can't, but it's yeah, I can't, I can't speak for women, I can just speak for my own experiences. And and, and women's experience in games are, are, are incredibly diverse, but we often get lumped into you know, as if women are like the Borg, like we are one and we have one opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's true, every time it's you like true. prepare to like talk about your game. If you're a woman, you have to prepare those answers about like, <laughs> how do you feel being a woman in the games industry question? And it's like, all right, I I, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. But to be honest, like I'm usually there to talk about the game, not to talk about me. So it's a weird, like, it's a weird question to have to prepare for. 
I, I remember a time when I wasn't asked about being a woman and that there yeah. was a, and there was a sea change. So I, I had just, mm, I, did, I mean, before Tomb Raider, I think um, I wasn't particularly asked about being a woman in games that much anymore. Like I think people had, had worked out I was a woman in games <laughs> and I had been a woman in games for a long time. And so they, and that they was it. Talk about, <laughs> and they talk about narrative. You know, I talk about narrative because it's still mm. a, a kind of an evolving area. Or I talk about um, comedy and games, or, or kind of working with actors, or all the different the topics that that kind of I, I'd uh, you know built my career on. And I wasn't really asked about it. And then suddenly, kind of post two thousand fourteen, suddenly it's become an issue again. And it was it was kind of it was quite frustrating and i think a lot of a lot of female developers have been been dealing with that um because it's now become about the gender and less about the work and we're you know we're right. trying to kind of pull it back to, to, to being about the work because um, i find the work much more interesting than my gender oh like yes i mean you, you wrote <laughs> you wrote the book on it <laughs> literally i don't i don't know if uh, if your book ever went into you know the whole aspect of being uh, a female and dealing with writing narrative but uh you have actually written a book on techniques and writing for video games oh um, not a whole book <laughs> well. just 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 a chapter of one um mm. so that that was done by the igda's uh, writer sick so um yeah, they, we, we produced a couple of books about writing for games and it was all done by games writers that were kind of they were all working in the trenches every day. So, yeah, they're, they're yeah, Google them. Uh, yeah, they're, they're the great kind of grounding for understanding games narrative. But yeah, I, I was I was not alone. I just did a, a chapter in each one. Ah, Still gotcha. impressive. Very <laughs> impressive. Yes. Woman of many talents. <laughs> um, I did want to like briefly sort of discuss kind of a, a little bit of a segue, I guess, from it, it does pair into what we've been, just been talking about, about what is and isn't appropriate in social media and what uh, barriers there should be or could be or have the potential to be uh, between your working relationship as well as your private relationships. Like, do you need separate Twitters, for example? Um, I feel like our generation particularly has had a very difficult time of coping with the, the box that we have kind of made for ourselves with social media. Back when I was first born, the internet was a very small thing. We uh, used news groups. <laughs> so you remember when there was a bit of an internet? A bit of an internet, yes. Yeah, yeah. And now my son, for example, is 15. He has only ever been alive during a time where the internet has been in existence. So social media is a thing that he has been on since birth, basically. Isn't that bizarre? It is when I think bizarre. about when I think about the fact that like I didn't touch the internet until I was like 12. Mm-hmm. And like everybody everybody else is now being born and there's just yeah. the internet. I'm like it freaks me out for children. Right? It's, it's weird. Like, I'm scared for the children. I'm sorry. So am I. Like, so you know, I. like, growing up, I went to school, and I had, like, at some point in my life, a tough time in elementary school where I was not the coolest kid at all. So I'd be very, home. probably all been there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I'd go home, and I'd be very sad. But then I didn't have, like, Twitter or Facebook to remind me that I'm not cool. I had, like... 
my parents that said that I was cool and I had other friends that said that I was cool. So I felt much better. So like, I'm scared for the kid that's not cool and goes home and is reminded of it constantly. And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. That freaks me out. <laughs> but it's, it's okay because we grow into the cool kids later. Like, you know. Yeah, we're cool I, now. I, I think, I totally. Think the, yeah, I think, you know, often the people that get like bullied and teased when they're younger or pick last in sports uh like tend to be you know some of the most interesting imaginative creative and awesome human beings later in life like they shouldn't go through that shit and i completely agree that social media has uh added a whole dimension you know new dimension to it but yeah it's you know that if you can persevere through like you're gonna do awesome things in the world i think Mm. I just I feel like uh, because this digital age has emerged and we have crafted this nice little box of hey everybody's connected there is no such thing really as privacy anymore if you put anything out on the internet it is screenshotted and saved for all time basically so you can, you're not free to make mistakes anymore and the reason I say you know that particular statement is because there are things that people have said that are considered mistakes things they would that they wish they could take back goodness knows my husband made a few of those comments that he wish he could have taken back that were screenshotted and archived for all times and constantly sure. posted every time he said anything um there are statements that Jessica Price has made about celebrating my husband's death on the internet do I think it's a mistake that she said that? It's it's her you know, her right to free speech to say what she wants. But if she ever does regret it, there's really no removing it. There's no there's no going back. And it's like, oh guys, well hey, I'm sorry. That that will continually come back to her every time she says anything regarding my husband or what he did. There are other developers from Bioware who also celebrated the death of my husband can they take it back one of them did actually and he apologized and sent apologies to me and i forgive him for what he said but again it's the situation of you said it the internet has it reddit will never let you forget <laughs> and the internet will never let you forget and it's it's very unforgiving so i feel like our children are being raised in a, a an age now where they can't make mistakes mm -hmm. and that kind of pressure I don't believe is something that the human body was probably designed to be capable mm -hmm. of this being connected 24 7 not able to punch in and punch out and consistently having to keep up this cult of personality make sure that everybody likes me but yet I'm going to put my opinions out there and you don't realize until after the fact that hey it offends like x amount of people what you've just said you can't just instantly take mm -hmm. it back anymore and it doesn't and even not, have an edit function you can only remove <laughs> right and not really being like allowed to grow right like like saying something and years later being reminded but you said that thing it's like right but i've also when you were I'm a, nine <laughs> i'm a different person now yeah i've learned so much i've grown so much like we're all constantly learning new things, discovering new things and like adjusting how we see the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the fact that like there are people to this day who have, you know, more of that sort of um, I never forget anything that you've ever said. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then I get one of those emails that's like, 
I remember when you said this when you first started YouTube. And I'm like, cool, eight years ago? Yeah, I bet it was some something really fucked up and weird. But like, that's not how I feel now. Mm -hmm. Am I not allowed to grow and be like a better person? You know? But I, I, I think... I think more and more as we interact with people as, as kind of lines on a screen, it seems we forget that they're humans and, and they, they kind of make mistakes. And as you say, they grow and, you know, they feel pain and, and they lose people and they lose jobs and, you know, that they, they're not perfect. And, you know, it feels like we, we're kind of losing that even more that, that, that kind of realization that there is a human behind, um, behind all those lines and I, yeah. I um one of the audible recommendations I wanted to make was Shrill by Lindy West uh who who is you know I very much miss from Twitter and and she talks about uh, an interaction uh with with a you know a, a troll that she had that trolled her after her father's death and I, I think she she tweeted about it and the troll actually had a change of heart and and got in touch with her and apologized um and uh she ended up having quite a long phone conversation uh with, with this guy for um i think it's this american life and she also kind of mm. replicates that in shrill as well where, where she you know she talks to him about why he did it what what kind of motivated him to do it and um what he was going through at the time she kind of talked about what she was going through and it it, it was it was kind of a, a beautiful moment of, of realization on both sides that they were humans and, and they were you know they were in pain and and sometimes humans in pain deal deal with things in 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 bad ways and and but they can have changes of heart they can forgive they can remember that you know we're, we're, we're all humans together at the end of the day and it really is a kind of a, a beautiful story and kind of runs against the kind of don't don't feed the trolls thing because she actually confronted the troll and and they had they can kind of had moments of understanding and it felt like that i just it felt like a a, a, a important moment and she talks about mm -hmm. it very well so yeah shrill by lindy west i definitely recommend i just bought it <laughs> <laughs> you pitched it you pitched it well <laughs> just, it just now <laughs> it's, it, that's a very nice segue into our uh, sponsored <laughs> segment for today. Uh, this episode of the Co-Optional Podcast is sponsored by Audible. Uh, you can start a free, free 30-day trial and get your first audiobook for free by going to audible.com slash cynical, or you can SMS cynical the word cynical c-y-n-i-c-a-l to 500-500 to start your free 30-day trial and again get your first audiobook for free and i'm just going to show you guys on the screen here the book that rihanna was just speaking about shrill typically you'd have to pay 28 dollars and 50 cents for this audible book but again you start your free trial you can get that one for free <laughs> There you go. I have more recommendations. I have so many recommendations. No oh my worries. God, hit me. Feel free. Feel free. Go right on ahead. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, uh, Robert Webb's um, How Not to Be a Boy is really great. So so Robert Webb is, is um, uh, I, I guess, 
most known for uh, a show uh, called Peep Show here in the UK. Right. Um, and uh, that that is a, a fabulous book. Uh, and Robert reads it. And it even has a quote from Unseen Academicals in it, which has just been released as an Audible <laughs> exclusive. Well, if you're interested in that. Um, and, oh gosh, what else? Um, there's a really interesting book I'm reading at the moment called The Trauma Cleaner. I, I'm reading, I'm being read to. Like, um, <laughs> called The Trauma Cleaner. And um, it's it's about a, a woman that goes into um, houses that have been occupied by hoarders or, or maybe there's been a, a murder or a suicide and the house is in a complete disarray and, and she basically um, cleans it up. It's fascinating. It's by um, uh, Sarah Creston Austin. Um, so she's, she uh, is a journalist, I think, who goes around with this woman who is a trauma cleaner and, and it's, it's really fascinating. Um, what else would I recommend? It reminds um, me of that uh, movie, Sunshine Cleaning, actually. <laughs> oh, right. people, people who went and cleaned up after. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is exactly a, a woman that, yeah, who, do, who does it every day. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, God, Brave can't imagine. by Rose McGann, I found very, uh, found fascinating. Um, and that was a kind of real in-depth look at the ugly side of Hollywood. Um, what was uh, that Belie- one called? Brave by Rose McGowan. Oh, got it. You'll know her as the um, person who dated Marilyn Manson at one point. Yeah, <laughs> she was also My one of the sisters Brave. on Charmed. This is true. This is true. Although and, and, I, liked her, uh, I liked her most in Jawbreaker, I think. It was such a weird movie for the time. <laughs> And, and something a little bit lighter would be uh, Believe Me by, by Eddie Izzard, which is, um, I think, a full title is A Memoir of Love, Death and Jazz Chickens. Um, and, and the audible version is really good because he, he procrastinates a lot, as is the style of his comedy. But he looks things up on Google on his phone while, while kind of do, reading the audible. So the audible version has a lot of stuff that, that the book doesn't have. Amazing. He's just gone off on a random tangent and Google stuff. And sometimes it's stuff about his own life that he's just like checking Google for facts. And so, yeah, the audible version is, is really good. So hopefully that those, those recommendations will sort you out. Yes. Aw, I had no idea he made a book. I love him. Yeah, yeah. He's. I think he's made a few books, but yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, a book that I have been rereading. I tend to reread this at least once or twice a year, it seems. Um, I'm rereading Mort. Uh, I started rereading it right after my husband's passing. I don't know why. It's just very cathartic in a way to think of death and... <laughs> In, in that context um but of course i'm a big Discworld fan in general so mort by the late great terry pratchett um and if you happen to notice right here on the same page the audible exclusive for unseen academicals also by terry pratchett which would be an awesome addition in case you haven't checked it out yet i actually did not know that it was available and rihanna told me that it was available when i was telling her about uh rereading mort and I was just like, oh, new, new stuff. Yes. <laughs> so that's getting added to my queue for sure. Yeah, just a little aside in, in relation to Mort, we used to get so many fan letters um, from from people who were uh, nearing the end and uh, or they, they, they had a terminal illness and how comforting the character of death was for them. Um, and if... God, it basically those sort of, those fan letters basically ended my mum and me, and we'd just be in tears over them. But 
you know, they would say things that they knew that when death came for them, he'd be riding a horse called Binky. And it was just like, oh, God. But it was sort of lovely that it gave people comfort. And, Mm. you know, my dad was not shy about talking about death uh either as a as a anthropomorphic personification uh in his books or, or about his his own really and i think he believed that you know the victorians had it right um about death maybe not about sex but they 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 were very open about death um and because you know it, it it comes for all of us and yet we, we find it very t- difficult to talk about death in, in public um and he he definitely kind of wanted to change that conversation yeah, everything that you just said and more. <laughs> no, it's it's just been it's been such a comfort to. I've been um, going through lots of books, listening on Audible. Um, one thing I gr- think that's great, mostly for the summertime, is that if you're going on vacations, I most of the time I'm loading up Audible books on my um, like my iPod or whatever device I'm taking with me, and I'll hook it up to my car. So um, I just finished a ten-hour drive back up to Ohio to visit some family and then 10 hours on the way back. Um, and I managed to uh, go through a number of Audible books. So I think it's a, it's a great thing to have for the summertime. If you're like going to the beach, you know, just load it up on a device and just be able to have that book with you if you don't happen to have it in physical form. I personally have some ADD issues. So uh, to keep my attention in check. Uh, sometimes I will have the physical copy of a book as well as my Audible app on whatever device I happen to be carrying, and I'll kind of just follow along. I'll read along with it, and that's been pretty helpful for me in combating some of those attention issues. Um, my last recommendation is um, a, I rewatched the movie of this a few days ago because I was feeling a bit down, uh, but I went ahead and picked up um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because I it's a it's an incredible book in its mm-hmm. own right. Um, but of course, I love the fact that it's narrated by Douglas Adams as well, and I I have. I think it's five books that are in that series altogether, um, and I haven't made it past the third one yet. But I'm I'm working my way through it. But um, having Audible along on the the drive and everything has been really helpful for me in processing some of my grief. Uh, so again, if you do want to start your first. 30-day trial or get your first audiobook for free, you can go to audible.com slash cynical, C-Y-N-I-C-A-L. It's also on your screen. Um, or you can SMS cynical to 500-500. So thank you, Audible, for your sponsorship of this episode of the Co-Optional Podcast. <laughs> All right. I think we may be going to a little bit of a break and when we come back we do have some actual more gaming news to talk about and it'll be a lot of games that we are looking forward to playing and some games maybe that we've already played this week Um, and Jen has also brought along for us a kind of a preview to Death Garden so Mm. I think we might play that during our break so that way you guys can get a little bit of a taste. Jen do you want to kind of set up what we're going to see in this Death Garden video? Sure so uh, well you it's basically the the video that we recorded with the devs uh, our creative director Ash and our design director Matt to talk about the vision of the game and where we kind of want to take it. It's really, really early on still. We're about to start early access. And I really hope it's going to be another like 
of this adventure with the community like we kind of had in Rainbow. I want I want to redo. I want to live the dream again. <laughs> I, I, I really hope uh, that people is gonna, are going to like it. It's another online multiplayer game because I'm a big, big fan of PvP. So, of course, I want to do more, more PvP. Uh, it's an asymmetrical action game, which I feel is really cool and interesting. It's like not an easy one to tackle, but uh, Behavior did it with Dead by Daylight, which is actually pretty successful on Twitch. So uh, we're kind of taking what we learned, trying to do something a bit different, faster, more action-oriented, uh, where we have like... I don't know how deep you want me to go into this. Oh, I get no, no, excited fine. about the you're game. <laughs> so, um, yeah, go ahead. To me, what I, I really like, it's like there's two experiences in the game. It's kind of cheesy, but you can either play as the hunter, which is basically an FPS because it's in first person view with a gun, or you can play as a runner, which is actually in third person. It's more of an action team based game where you're kind of like a parkour ninja person that wants to fight for map control and escape. So it's really, really two experiences. And we just finished compiling the closed beta survey feedback. And we really see it's two different types of people playing them. Some people mm. try both. But it's kind of cool to see how like shooter players definitely go to play Hunter alone. And the, there's more like action game people that are trying hunter more uh, runner more but some people try both i i play both but i'm a really really bad aimer so i can't <laughs> <laughs> so i'm not very good at hunter i need some practice uh but yeah I, I i hope people get to try it we're gonna have some keys to giveaways actually later Yay. to do our to be part of our soft launch uh and yeah i hope people like it and uh, we're really in it for the long haul with the community so uh, any feedback is always appreciated and we do extra long surveys for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Jen. And here is a look at Death Garden. We will be back in a few minutes to talk about some games. Stay tuned. Death Garden is a competitive asymmetrical action game where one overpowered hunter has to hunt five fast and agile but underpowered runners. So the hunter has a lot of power. The runners themselves are obviously weaker on a one-on-one -on -one encounter. But what gives them their power is the team of five, is their agility, and the fact that they can work together to complete their goals. We also gave the runner and the hunter different perspectives. The runners play from a third-person perspective, and the hunters play from a first-person perspective. It's got a very traditional FPS-style gameplay, so it's got access to ranged weapons, guns, also bringing a fundamental power into the level. Now, this power is designed to tip the balance in favor of the hunter. Now, which power they bring into the level will change the way the runners have to adapt. And really the game revolves around control of the map. The runners, even though they can't damage the hunter, they have access to a lot of tools to slow him, to stun him, to manipulate him into making mistakes, tricking him around the map. And that difference of FOV really can create these unique moments where a runner will be hiding in grass, let's say, and the hunter's right beside them, but they can't see them because of that difference. Oh 
So right now we're showing off one objective type, which we're calling capture. There's three objectives to capture, and the runners have to capture two of them. If they're successful, exits will open and you can escape, if you can. The hunter's win condition is simple. He just has to kill three of the five runners. A good hunter will have to understand how the teamwork works for the runners. Because at the end of the day, if the runners gain control of the map through their good teamwork, the hunter will just be chasing shadows. And even those empowered with all the abilities of the weapons and the powers to be able to strike back at them, if you can't find them and break that team dynamic, then he's going to start losing control of the game. We're making a procedural game that forces you to think on your feet. Every time you play, the map is different, the layout is different, where the objectives are is different. You can't pre-learn that. You have to think on your feet and do it when you get into the game. So we wanted the game to be very responsive. We wanted to have elevation in the game, and we wanted to have this responsiveness and elevation create amazing chases. We don't want every encounter to end in a death. We want escapes and chases and coming back into the game. Runner revived. We deliberately made the choice to not have a mini-map in Death Garden. How do people know where everyone's going? How do I play as a team, as a runner? We built a mechanic for runners, which we're calling marking. That allows runners to shoot any crate in the environment, even the objectives. And by doing so, it reveals it to everyone in the map for 30 seconds. This allows people to kind of build the map awareness by doing an action in the game. But as we move forward, we want to add more and more abilities and powers and weapons, and the core system will adapt to that. So it's very important for us, especially in an asymmetrical multiplayer game, to be able to see how people are going to start interacting with the suite of options we've given them. Our objective is competition before anything. So we're really no pay to win and no grind to win. So if we were ever to release new skills, everyone would have access to them. What we love about the game is that it's, it's a classic video game adage that it's easy to play and hard to master. And it's what we really want to do with the choices is add more and more potential depth. You don't have to take on all these choices at an early stage. But the core concept of working together as a team is the most important thing in the game. So as long as you understand that, anything we add on top of that is just going to make the game better over the long term. Welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. Hopefully everybody's back. <laughs> Yay, I got thumbs up. All right, Oxla. <laughs> All right, so games. This is usually a segment where we talk about games that we have been playing. Um, yeah. I myself have been playing some Octopath Traveler on my Switch. I'm not very far into Octopath, I have to admit. Um, with eight different characters to choose from, I decided to choose the, I guess, kind of like cleric. Um, it seems weird to choose like a healer for your first um, play. But that means you're probably going to get an experience most people do not get. Yeah, so. dying a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was a bit confused initially. I'm just like, oh, so they have like all these very special skills, very specific things. It's like, oh, my trade is I can get people to follow me. What? <laughs> 
<laughs> so um yeah octopath traveler on the switch is um i think it's only been out for what two three days um so I'm, I'm not very far into it at all probably only have about 30 or 45 minutes into the game so i, I don't really have a whole lot of critique to provide for you except that the game looks gorgeous mm. um but then again some games that are, are just on the switch that are crazy gorgeous um i actually repurchased kingdom new lands this will be like the third platform i think i've purchased on i have it on ipad i have it on sam PC. buys it on every single thing we own that he I can play it on help it. i don't know why <laughs> i love this game so much it's just i i just i can't explain it's mm. it's just pretty the water the water is so pretty in that game it's like raw fury make that water in all your <laughs> games do it um another game i've been playing on my switch is hollow knight um the yes night sorry um have no, you played it fine. before uh i had not played it before oh my god i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad you're excited for a game it's like one of my favorite games ever so yeah um i mean i figured since uh john bought me like the hollow knight hoodie and stuff and i wear it all the time and i'm just like you know i haven't actually played this game but i'm i'm repping it i'm wearing the hoodie um <laughs> I, was but when I was talking with a friend the other day about how that's totally a thing like feeling this weird imposter syndrome when you really love a shirt or a hoodie that has like a a logo or something on it and you're like but i don't use this thing or i've never read this thing or i've never played that game you're like yes. I, need, I need to fix this so that i could feel okay about where it is it mm -hmm. happens it happens um for as far um hollow knight's great uh, i think most of you probably already know that um but i did want to mention that uh gods and glory is releasing august 23rd so yeah. i really have to f hurry up and finish hollow knight at some point um, just to be able to to go in and play a new one. Hollow Knight is crazy because I played so much of that game, got like an ending for it, mm -hmm. and then the DLC came out, and I was like, all right, I got to find where this DLC is, and did all sorts of new stuff that I had never seen before, but everything that I found in there was stuff that already existed in the base game, and I never found the DLC. To this day, I have still not found where the DLC happens in that game. So it's big. It's like, there's a lot to do in it. Yeah, it's it's very pretty as well. I don't know what it is yeah, about me beautiful. and pretty games. I'm just like, oh, graphics, pixels, they're so pretty. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, Stardew Valley, another thing that I've got for Switch. I played it for ages on PC. Haven't gotten into the multiplayer version of it yet. Mm. I was going to um, ask if any of you guys have tried the multiplayer on that. I'd love to try it. Just like, come farm with me. <laughs> <laughs> Let's farm all the things. <laughs> um, but other than that, I don't think that I have been playing. I mean, that's actually quite a lot for me in a week. Um, still playing yes. part of uh, Vampire, which same issues that I was having last week, uh, still making right. choices, still trying to weigh the balance as to whether or not I should kill people and be strong like bull or uh, <laughs> be the nice guy that I'm totally known to be. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been playing this week. How about you, Brooke? What have you been playing? Um, I haven't, I haven't started in on Octopath yet just because it seems like such a commitment. <laughs> it's supposed to be such a big game that I'm like, it Oof. is. 
it it's is. a lot to do. Um, so I haven't really gotten into that yet. I played through the uh, the like story mode of Shapes and Beats, which Jesse talked about last week. But I can confirm the way that they work a story into that game is actually extremely charming. It's like a really fun game. Um, they also have it set up where you can do you can just like hop into multiplayer with just randos but you can also make a private room and people can join you so i was able to play it with some of my viewers and stuff and that was really fun um just overall that that game is is really really cool and apparently they're adding in a make your own level add your own music sort of a thing to it which i think will really that'll bump it up because currently you like in the challenge area, so not the campaign, but in the challenge area, you accrue like a currency and there isn't really anything to do with the currency yet. So I assume that it's going to be like you can buy songs to play with it, something like that. Um, but yeah, currently there really isn't anything to do with it. Um what else did I play? Fuck, I know I played something else. Oh, I started playing Forgotten Anne. Oh. Um, that game is super cool, and I have no idea how I didn't realize it existed. Um, it's a it's a side-scrolling adventure, like, kind of puzzle game mm-hmm. um, where you play a girl named Anne who is in what's called the Forgotten Realm, and it's basically where things that have been forgotten in the real world go. Mm. So, like, you know, that sock that you lost or whatever else. Like, all of those things wind up in this other universe. Um, Once they're there, they gain sentience. So, there's, like, fridges and socks and hammers and guns. Like, all sorts of things that have gained, like, personality. Um and uh, it's it's really, really interesting to play because it establishes sort of this world that has two factions and one faction really wants to figure out a way. I'm kind of like trivializing the story, but uh, wants to figure out a way to get back here. And then the other faction is like, why would we want to go back? We were just things there. You know, we didn't have like autonomy. We had no control over our lives and we can actually like we have, we have life here, you know, why would we want to go back? Um, and so you are one of only two humans that you know of at the beginning. And, uh, and you're sort of, you're called the enforcer and the, the rules that have been established in this world to maintain order. You're like one of the people who controls that. And you have, um, this little glove that sort of, um, you can use to draw energy, like life force out of things called anima. And anima is used for everything. It's used to like power stuff. Um, It's what's inside of all of these items to give them life. Um, So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's how they do all of the puzzles in the game is like figuring out like, where do I need to put the anima in order to make this go and do this and blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm almost finished with it. I was streaming it yesterday. And I was like, all right, I really have to go. How much is left of this game? And some people said 20 minutes and some people said two hours. So I don't know how close <laughs> I am exactly to finishing this game, but um, I, think I'm, I think I'm pretty close to finishing it. And it's been a blast the whole time. So I would highly recommend that game. 
it looks really neat actually I'm I'm showing the some of the gameplay on the stream now and I don't know it actually looks kind of like the sort of game that I would typically play so <laughs> yeah you should try it it's so good um and I think I, I think I talked about Wizard of Legend last week but I've been playing more of that as well so um yeah that's mostly been it I think I played some Towerfall for the first time in a long time we had a couple of people over and Sam was like we could play Towerfall and I got so excited because nobody ever wants to play Towerfall with me anymore <laughs> um so that was a blast if anybody hasn't played Towerfall just go play it it's so great and I think that that's it for me okay mm. Jen anything that you've been playing recently uh, well, the usual, because I'm, I'm like a one game type of person who kind of tries other games, but I'm just like for at least two years sections of my life, it's like Starcraft and it was Hearthstone and then now it's <laughs> Dota 2 for like, I'm 1,800 hours in and still loving it. What? Yeah, <laughs> I know. And I have like 3,000 hours of Starcraft. It's ridiculous. I don't know how many days that is, but it's probably a lot. Girl. Yeah. Love Dota 2. And they just released like their uh, latest battle pass, which is like going into the international and they have such great, like they're a model for me as a game developer. Like if I can do a little bit of what Dota does, I'm like, oh my God. Uh, but yeah, big fan of Dota. Uh, and on my phone, I always have a phone game. That's my main as well, which is Clash Royale for the past year and a half. Slowly grinding my way up there. I am soon in that into game is the such a grind. Legend <laughs> Arena thing. Very happy about it. Never spent money on that one. Spent a lot on Dota, though. Uh, but besides my mains, uh, my latest favorite thing has been For the King. It's mm. an indie game that can be played with three people co op. Uh, and it's like a turn based RPG style adventure. Hmm. Uh, and I've had a ton of fun playing it with friends. It's like really, really cute gra graphics. The the flow of the UI is a little bit like weird, but once you get used to it, it works super well. And I love how like it's not an easy game, so you really have to cooperate and be like, oh, okay, you take the hat, and I'm going to use the bow, and if we combo like that, you're not going to die. Uh, <laughs> So I, I've I really had a blast playing that game and I, I highly recommend it. If you have two friends to play it along with, it's really fun. And it's like a you have a couple lives for the party as a whole. And if you lose them all, then you're out for the adventure. But mm. it's kind of a game you play over many times. And as you play, you collect a thing called like lore or something, like lore books. And then you can unlock things from the the store that unlocks like more gameplay for your next adventure like a new character or a new random encounter. So it's kind of like helping you get to the end as you're like grinding and learning how to play it. Right. I had a lot of, lot of fun playing it, so I recommend it. Uh, besides that, Gloomhaven, which is a board game, so that's not, that's not a video game. <laughs> you can still talk it, about it. It's uh, really nice. Gaming of all <laughs> yeah. kinds. It's like being able to play Dungeon and Dragons as a board game without having a dungeon master. So everyone oh, okay. gets to be a player and it's played over multiple sessions with the same people and you kind of have like XP for a character and you unlock loot and stuff and really fun if you have a lot of friends that you can commit to regularly. 
right. not, I'm not sure how great it is. We've settled for a party of four because we figured we can't can't be too many. Uh, and besides that, I'm looking really, really looking forward to Overcooked Two. Ah, yeah, Dude. that's coming out on the Switch as well. And I, I don't know, I've been loving my Switch lately more and more, mm -hmm. uh, just yeah. for the portability factor. I didn't think I'd actually like the Switch enough. Mm -hmm. But it seems like there's just so many games coming out on it now mm -hmm. that it's I've been browbeaten into into actually using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a yeah. Overcooked is so freaking fun. Like couch co-op playing next to your friend. It's so old school, so accessible. I've mm. played like with so many people that have never played video games, and it's like just chop the tomato. It's gonna be okay. Right. <laughs> and like you have to communicate and. Uh, I don't know, it's just really cool. And when you realize what you're screaming at people, it's really funny. It's like, <laughs> get the dishes, get the dishes. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really, really cool game that I recommend. And, uh, I think of it's course, cause for marital strife. Huh? <laughs> I think it's cause for marital strife for some people. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, I'm looking forward to our own game, that garden, because I can't wait to have a community to play with and stop playing with the same devs over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's fun to play. It's cool to play with real people. I'm excited about playing with real people. Yeah. In a while. <laughs> I'll probably be even worse, though, because, you know, the community is usually, like, really freaking good. But yeah, that, that's that's pretty much it for me. <laughs> Awesome. Rihanna, are you much of a gamer or do you just write them? Um, no, no. I mean, I, I started out as a games journalist. So I, I've been a gamer since I was about six years old. So um, it has, I guess, tailed off a bit in the last few years because a lot of my work at the moment isn't actually in games. It's in um, sort of film and TV projects. So I do a mm -hmm. lot of work um, developing film and TV, uh, quite often with, with female protagonists as well as you would expect from me. Um, but I do still game, um, but I often go back to games that I have loved in the past. Like I, I'm really bad for, for taking up new games and I think, oh, I'd rather use my time to play something that I know I love. Um, I do that too. I'm, I totally do that. So no judgment here. I am all for that. So I, I'm, I call them my cozy blanket games. So I am replaying and I like to chain games as well. So I like to play Bioshock. Bioshock 2 and Minerva's Den uh, uh, sort of one after the other but I'm, I'm trying to do it on survivor mode at the moment so it's it's slower going um I also love uh on playing on my iPad um Don't Starve and Don't Starve Shipwreck um oh I yeah I found that those were very good preparation for being single so I just I just have to treat my <laughs> life as if it is a Don't Starve game and that will sort of get me through like there was one point in in don't starve where i but i realized i was both making meatballs in the game and meatballs in real life as well and so yeah oh, just, just just bleeding through but i love don't starve shipwrecked um and and that's one of my cozy blanket games and i i, I love kind of experimenting with the different characters and i love the art style of it um and i still i still like i still go back and play it in, in a way that i I, I've never done with other games, really. I mean, I used to play a lot of Age of Mythology online. Mm. Um, I still do that a little bit, but I, I can get I can get a bit obsessed with it. Like where I used to play Age of Mythology when it was just on CD, and there was only uh, one version of the game which kind of worked 
uh, properly on uh, the and uh, ensemble studios uh, servers when it was back with ensemble studios, and it was like the treasure. Uh, treasure chest version of Age of Mythology and I would get the CD and I'd play it and I'd get obsessed with playing it online and then I would like go I must break the CD to free myself and I, <laughs> I, would, I would literally physically break the CD just before like Steam or, or, or streaming or anything like that um, and then like I, months would go by and it would be like oh I can cope with it I can cope with it this time and I'd, I'd have to like go, go to eBay to find the special version of the game that had the CD that would work online and then I'd, I'd get too obsessed and then I'd have to break the CD again so like my my kind of carpet in my study was kind of embedded with small bits of CD from Age of Broken Age of Mythology discs I did that about <laughs> four times I think over the years but now it's it's dangerous because it's on Steam and and like I have to I there's there's unless I break my entire laptop there's not as much I can do to free myself from it but I'm I'm starting to to be able to moderate it better <laughs> uh, although I do love it I'm a big um, RTS fan um, and yeah but that I I just particularly love that one um, so yeah and and I I tweeted um, not long ago about. Um, uh, SGB secret game of behavior so the games um that you kind of play in the background but don't really talk about oh um, yes so I I for example I like um and I've only got into them recently but they're really good for for mind uh focusing um uh, hidden object games which I never thought I would get into um, dude yeah. sometimes I love a good hidden object game <laughs> and again they've, they've also been a good good lesson in life if ever my like personal space is becoming too much like a hidden object game then i know now is the time to tidy up right um, uh but yeah I, I play uh the criminal case games um and i, I like mistress of the past um because uh, i've got a uh, like a a ste I've, you you're you live on an airship and i have a spaniel with a steampunk monocle and i have like <laughs> A, a kind of red-headed Irish uh, female partner who um, drives uh, an automobile she calls the Madmobile because her name is Madeline, uh, Madeline I think. And, and she, I, I'm pretty sure she has an absinthe addiction. And I, I'm just like totally in love with her. Um, <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's very good for, yeah, to, for, for kind of little, little bursts and shafting your mind. And I also like, I play Domination as well online. Um, uh, just on my iPad, that that's sort of kind of strategy game by Big Huge, um, and you know that that's pretty good. Uh, but yeah, I like games with small bursts. I guess the new, the newest game I've been playing, which isn't new, is is Prey. Um, oh, Prey's good. Prey's great. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I'm doing that, doing a lot of screaming at chairs and <laughs> lamps and things like that, and it's very mm. it's very good for that. So yeah, that that's about it for me. Awesome. Uh, games that are coming out soon in the near future. Uh, we have episode three of The Council, if anyone plays The Council. I Hell have yes. Been. Yay, Brooke! Where have that you game been? is oh, a I beautiful nightmare. I can't wait for part three. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Um, I, I don't know. I remember John telling me, he's like, don't play this. <laughs> he's just like, no, don't play it, this. Like, I'm like, you so many understand. things about it are intriguing. There's just like, there's like 
spatterings of nonsense inside yeah. of a game that's like really interesting. <laughs> I just, I'm so, I have to keep playing it. Same. I feel like I've, you know, that kind of feeling when you buy something and you just need that validation from other people because you've put too many hours in it or you've spent too much money on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All you want to do is for somebody to come along and tell you, you made the right choice. It's okay. It's yeah. okay. Other people are doing it too. So <laughs> thank you, Brooke, I'll for be giving that for me you. that. Yeah, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, the council um, episode three comes out on July twenty fourth. So that's that's going to be something that I'm hopefully going to be playing in the near future. Um, let's see what else is coming out. Uh, Mega Man X Legacy Collection One and Two coming out on July twenty fourth for PS four, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. I've heard they went back to a different um, naming scheme for they used to use like Guns and Roses uh, naming schemes for some of their like levels and boss battles or whatever. Now they're mm. actually taking it back. They're they're rolling it back and they're like, nah, we're just gonna go with the old naming scheme. I don't know why that was news, but eh, right. Um, anybody like a, a huge fan of Mega Man? No, honestly, not really. I played it, but I was never like in love with Mega Man, you know? Yeah. I totally feel that. Um, no Man's Sky. <clears throat> Huge update, mm -hmm. which I believe they're calling Next, which will be free for players. Uh, no Man's Sky. Yeah, I'm typing this out as I talk about it. Uh, huge update. I imagine a lot of it's just going to be features that were promised and not delivered when the game first launched. Zing. Uh, but it coincides with their release on Xbox One. And the biggest addition, of course, is going to be multiplayer for No Man's Sky. So I guess you and a friend can cry together about all the things and expectations and hopes and dreams that you had for this game and got suckered into and it might delivered. be better with a friend. I don't know. <laughs> Misery loves company. No Man's Sky. I'm, I'm totally never going to be the face for their PR right now. They're just throwing mm. darts at the screen. <laughs> um, I really wanted to like that game. I, I, I know I'm not alone in that. I, I loved the idea. I loved everything they were telling me. I just... It's like ordering this amazing pizza and the guy shows up at the door and opens the box and... And it's in plastic. I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty just much. Sorry. Uh, no, you're I fine. To go for it. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, yeah. So that's the thing. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, Enter the Gungeon expansion. What? Yeah, Octo is very excited about that. I never really... Gungeon felt a little too simple. I'm not saying easy at all. I'm actually, like, kind of terrible at it. But, like, it just felt a little too simplistic for me as a game. I just wanted there to be more going on in it. So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe this will help. I don't know. Well, the expansion for this was announced back in August of 2017, and so we're we're finally getting it now. Um, should be available July 19th, and hopefully it makes it maybe a little bit better. Hmm. All right, what else? 
going through all my notes here. Sorry. I can't, <laughs> can't do everything on the fly. I am not my husband. Um, Banner Saga 3. I know we kind of touched on this yes. a little bit last week, but um, the date is nearing July 24th for Banner Saga 3. I was so hyped because I actually found out um, that, I mean, in a, in a weird, I know this might sound a little morbid or uncomfortable, but uh, John had backed um, the Banner Saga 3. And so I got a contact email, um, kind of like you do from like Kickstarter, basically saying, fill out this form so you can get your copy of the game. And right. I was just like, oh, that's cool. Now I get a copy of Banner Saga 3. Hey. <laughs> um, at the same time, I also got sent a press key. Um, so I, I probably do need to play it prior to launch to have a, an opinion about it. Um, people have been asking me whether or not I might go into gaming critique and maybe, um, I don't know, revisit the WTF is series and which I w was a part of for a couple, we used to call them wife TF is, um, <laughs> those. um, cause there were some games that John didn't really get around to playing a lot of, or there were games that had some multiplayer mm -hmm. elements. So I would cover those with him and. Goodness knows I trashed Warframe once upon a time, so that's my career as a gaming critic over. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Banner Saga 3. I always think it has such great music, such amazing art style. Yeah. So looking mm -hmm. forward to that. I'm excited for that too. Excellent. I'd love to see you take that, that uh, <laughs> WTF series back up. I really like it. I'm hoping mm. so. It depends on when my copy of Banner Saga 3 actually gets here because uh, the one that John backed is the PC version and what I have code for is actually the Switch version of Banner Saga 3. So Interesting. it's not exactly good for me to, um, you know, sort of go on about specs and whether or not a game is graphically sound <laughs> when it's on. It's like, oh, it plays so well on my Switch. Well, that's because it was made with the minimum Switch requirements, not because, eh. But yeah, I'll be able to talk about it on Switch as well, which is kind of a bonus, really. Um, there is uh, Far Cry 5 has the Lost on Mars DLC now available. So that is something if you happen to enjoy playing Far Cry games. Far Cry 5 is a bit of touch and go for me because I'm just like, where are all my towers? This isn't a Far Cry game. <laughs> True, there are no towers in Far Cry 5. I've well, they, there are towers, but it's like not the one, same. Mechanic. It's a joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but I, I did work on Far Cry 5, so it's always weird. I'm like, oh, it, that's right. It's still going on. It's, it's weird to like... It's a, me. Yeah, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it is happening without me. <laughs> But it's cool. It's cool to see it uh, still running and still releasing content. Mm. Um, sea of Thieves Cursed Sales DLC is coming out July 31st. Do we know what that even is yet? I have not gathered that information because I haven't begun to even play Sea of Thieves. So that's, that's kind of uh, an odd one. If you want to Google some hot details I'm, I, I'm on I'm looking that, for it, yeah. Go right on ahead. Um... Meanwhile, I can talk about this. <laughs> it's interesting game. I need to pull up maybe some video for it. If there is video for it at this point, I might have to actually go to Steam to find it. Mm. Have you guys tried CFDs? Mm. I, I have seen it. I just have not tried it personally. Not yet. I played it. Um, it was just 
very limited in what there was to do. Mm-hmm. But it was and the I fantasy mean, is so strong. Mm. Like being a pirate on a ship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. It's yeah. really, it's really fun with a bunch of friends. But if I'm being honest, a lot of the fun came from the friends and not from the game. So I'm hoping that like the DLC that they add will give you more. You know. Makes sense. Um, Cursed Sails introduces terrifying ships with skeleton crews. So more skeletons. They were already in the game. (laughs) Um, A three-person ship. Cool. And alliances so that you can take on larger challenges in return for huge rewards. And I guess that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Thank you for that, Brooke. Mm-hmm. I got you. <laughs> um, a game that I am kind of looking forward to that I had I had it had no um I had no indication that this was coming out until I went through some of the Steam curation offerings, which I tend to go through just in case I do decide to do any kind of critique. And in my Steam curation queue, there was a mention of a game called uh, Mechanism. I'm going to show you guys a little bit of the gameplay in this. Uh, This is a game that was pitched to me in the following way. I actually have the developers... This was all done by one guy. Okay. I have have the developers pitch that's included when they offer you a key in uh, Steam Curator. Hi, my name is Alex, and here is my solo indie game project, Mechanism. No, really, everything in this game is made by myself. It's an adventure game about cute robot that finds himself to be the only survivor in the steampunk world infected by this strange disease. Why should you find out that that's interesting? Because it's not a trash game. It was made as a piece of art and inspired by mushrooms that I tried in Amsterdam and also by David Lynch movies. Try it and give me your feedback. <laughs> what a good pitch. <laughs> I love that pitch. I love everything about the pitch. And, and, and bonus, the game actually looks pretty cute. I mean, it's, it's really like, cute. It's like your Wally or something yeah. and yeah, you're wandering yeah. around. I actually kind of want to play this. I accepted that game in my Steam curation queue. Yes, I did. Because not only was that pitch amazing, but I, I thought that the game trailer, when I actually went to the, the Steam store page, I thought it oh actually no, looked pretty Oh no, there's a cool. dead robot! Oh. <laughs> this is so, Anyway, sorry, keep going. No, you're fine. Um, it's it's mostly I wanted you guys to react to this. Uh, but Mechanism is out. Um, let's see. That will be out July 19th. So in a couple days, this game will be out and available. And I, I just, I couldn't get over the whole inspired by mushrooms I took in Amsterdam and by David Lynch And David movies. Cage. Or David Lynch movies, yeah. It would be better if he said David Cage. David, and David Cage. <laughs> and David Cage. <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> I guess I know what I'm getting into. But I really wanted to kind of give him kudos because you know what? I go through so many games through the cur- curation queue and so many of them are just 
I don't know. Like there's, they either look really good and they have no premise to kind of draw me in or they sound amazing. But when I look at them graphically, it looks like, oh, this just doesn't look like the kind of game I would play. Mm. But he really got my attention. And you know what? Yes, good, good on him. Good I'm on like, him. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna need to work on that pitch game for the curators. Yes. I never thought about it, but it's true. I'm like, hmm, need to the original. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I loved that as a pitch. I thought it was I thought it was great. So I will be checking that out in a couple days and amazing. You know, maybe maybe give that a try. Um, so that's kind of it for the, like the the releases that I had kind of like just written down. Is there anything that you guys are looking forward to playing in like the upcoming days, weeks for for our guests, even months? Because you won't be here like to talk about it later. Banner saga for me, but um, don't saga. starve Hamlet for me, uh, which oh, I think it, yeah. uh, which is out I think in December. I'll have to start. I I think I'll have to pl start playing it on Steam. I think because I don't think it's out on the iOS uh, in December. Um, so yeah, I think I'll have to try it on something else first. So that's that's um, that's one for me. I think uh, thinking of, of kind of pirate games, I, I I quite like the look of and it's not the out for a while, but but Ubisoft's uh, is it Skull and Bones? Yeah, that looked like mm -hmm. a great um, yes, I want to play that game. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that, but I don't know when that's out. Um, but yeah, those are two. Free, like I, you know, I spent I, as I've explained, I spend so much time playing old games um, that like I it's it's kind of difficult for me to get too excited about new games because I've still got the games that are consi were considered new like a couple of years ago to play. So yeah, I'm just still working my way through those at the moment. Hmm. How about you, Jen? For me, Anything just oh, I think you're muted. Oh, am I? Yep, unmuted <gasps> now. Oh, there you are. Okay. <laughs> Hi. Yay. Uh, anything in particular that you're looking forward to, Jen? Overcooked too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said it earlier, but I think about okay. it often. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited to like cut tomatoes, boil potatoes, and scream at people about washing dishes. It's the it's Excellent. the dream, really. Yeah, really. Very, very, very much. <laughs> that's okay. that's pretty much it for me, yeah. <laughs> no worries. Uh, let's see. I do have a couple more, like, I guess, sort of meh news lines that we can use just to fill time very quickly. Um, mm. Valve have temporarily stopped adding adult games to Steam. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Interesting, as like a response to the whole like taking games down and putting them back up, all that shit. I am guessing so. Um, the news for hmm. this, let me see here. Mm. Oh yeah, so they are settling on a new watered down content policy. Okay. That's interesting. I mean, keep in mind that I, I think what I want to say is that one of the first sort of adult games, I guess, if you can consider, was when uh, Honey Pop <laughs> showed up. Right. 
I remember playing that game. I loved watching like... people playing that game. I don't know. I, I watched a lot of YouTube videos of people playing it because I thought it was like, I didn't really want to play it, but I wanted to see people's reactions playing. The game was yes. oddly fun to play, to be honest. Yeah, it was. Fair I enough. Forced, I forced John to play it. And I think that's actually one of my highest. Oh, I videos. did watch that one. It's I think it probably has like a million views by now. And that's, yeah. it seems so weird. But it does. I, yeah, I did watch your video of that. I was like, <laughs> this, this is the one. <laughs> um, so this kind of came down. Let's see. They used to allow controversial content so long as it wasn't illegal. Uh, one visual novel developer claims the moderation is not over. Uh, Shining Song Star Nova creator Love in Space said on Twitter that its title was being withheld from Steam until it satisfied new requirements. So their their game is just not even making it through right now. Uh, mm. They're working on new features to get people more control over the content that they see. And that specific game, Shining Song Star Nova, is part of that. Um, so I'm not sure how graphic or maybe it presents that possibly these characters might be underage or something. I don't right. actually know a lot about that specific game. But I, I do think that them actually valve actually kind of taking a bit of a stand and saying you know some of these games on here we might want to think twice about offering them on the platform at least maybe age gate it better perhaps it's because... more consideration than they normally give games <laughs> if yeah. they could like give a like a lot of attention and consideration to all games that would be amazing but it would yeah be. I, I just want them to do something about the new releases page. That would be great. It's literally single-handedly what killed our releases section that we used to have on the show because every time you look at the new release page, it's developers taking down their games, putting them back up a week later just because they know that they're going to be on, woo, the new release page. And it's like, your game yeah. isn't new. It came out on early access like three years ago and nobody cared then and no one cares now. Move along. It's like, I hate to, to be like that about anything that no, someone created. <laughs> <laughs> Things not to do as a developer also include. No, um, I just, but I, I am glad that there is dialogue taking place. I think that's important. Um, but it is interesting to see that this specific game has been targeted, whereas I could probably name at least five games that I thought would have been questionable for, for Valve to have um, actively like promoted on their platform. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that this might breach on some legal boundaries, perhaps. Um, and also if we could get some sort of quality control over reskins of games, basically people stealing games, passing them off as their own, that would also be great. But, yeah. you know, it's a wish list of things. <laughs> um. I remember reading that there was a survey that was done recently. Uh, this is a different topic. Over half of parents let their children play 18 plus rated games. Does this surprise I mean, anybody? We knew that, but... <laughs> but now there's quantifiable data that says that it's happening. Do we, do we feel bad about this? <sighs> I mean, it is, does this go back to the conversation of parents don't actually look at age restrictions on games? Or are they consciously 
going like that. So right. Cool. Or are they like, ah, whatever, kill a guy. I don't care. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I'd like to have that stats for movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe not for 18 plus, maybe for like 16 plus, you know, like just uh, more violent movies. Mm. So this particular um, survey went out. They surveyed more than 2000 parents on their platform. Uh, the platform oh, parents. Said, okay. Yeah. It's childcare.co.uk, just for your information. Uh, and they found that more than half of parents allow their children to play video games for over 18s without supervision or knowledge of the game beforehand. Mm. So there you go. That's the differentiation there. I am so shocked that parents would admit that. <laughs> <laughs> like, oof, Of really? course I don't do this. <laughs> Also covered in the survey, uh, more than four-fifths, so 86% of parents admitted that they don't follow age restrictions on video games, compared to that 23% who said they didn't follow age restrictions on films. Mm -hmm. So, it, games mm. versus films is kind of a, I don't know, it's, it's a strange area to be in because some games are very much like films. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have some walking yeah. simulators or ba that basically kind of seem like a more of a cinematic experience. I, so I, feel I, like, I feel like video games are sort of in the in-between between how perception-wise between cartoons and film, right? Like people know a lot about movies. They know that right. there are movies mm -hmm. where some really like untoward things happen right and at the same time there are extremely adult cartoons but a mm -hmm. lot of older people don't acknowledge cartoons as potentially having adult content right and mm -hmm. i think games are like video games are kind of in the middle mm -hmm. there where it's like well i know that these games will like they dress up like an army man and they shoot people <laughs> like it like that's as bad as it gets right <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> Why, why is that parent from Queens? <laughs> I want to know that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so. Nearly in the same survey, nearly half the parents have notably seen a negative change in their child's behavior since playing mm. games aimed at adults. And 22% of the respondents said their kids now understand and use negative or offensive language since playing the video games. Okay, that second part, I get. Because <laughs> you're suddenly no. being exposed to, like, adults who are, like, you know, reacting strongly to video games. Mm. <laughs> to put it really nicely. But, like, the first part to me is, like, it, it, it's, like, a recurring theme in video games that's always a little bit irritating. Like, how does that compare to movies again? Like, yeah. are your kids also like more aggressive after watching movies how about playing sports are they more aggressive after playing soccer like or watching know, the news is, <laughs> or watching the news i don't know like to me it's like it's so out of the blue and out of like context when you put it in perspective with other things like are they right. more aggressive after they play on their ipad i don't know uh, yeah. i mean if they so, are so they break the like, ipad <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, nearly three quarters of respondents were mothers and those surveyed were parents of children from the ages of five through 16, 53% were boys and 47% were girls. Now here's the thing. 
pay attention to this stat because this one kind of got me. More than four-fifths, so 86% of parents don't believe that games will impact their child's behavior or outlook on life. They had all these other things to say about, oh, well, negative, negative, negative. But 86% believe that games have no effect on their outlook on life. That's crazy. Or their, mm. or their behavior overall. So that seemed a bit weird to me. But yet, 48% fear that their child is addicted to video games. It's crazy, because for me, the outlook on life <laughs> question about games, like, to me, it's, I feel video games have positively affected my outlook on life. That's like, I, I form relationship with people via video games, especially when I was young and shy. So it's so weird that someone would say, no. well, I'm, I'm sure someone who's, like, never played games or like been part of a community it, like of course you don't know right. or you haven't read up about it but yeah it, it, like I would also expect some like more like oh I'm sure it's negative like they just think it doesn't do anything like, right but about reading a book <laughs> but I, I think maybe that's also tied again to like sort of the the perception that games don't have anything to offer good or bad you know so i think that they're i just i know being a parent having a 15 year old and i and i can say this i i am responsible in the fact that i yes allow my son to play gta 5 and i shouldn't there's full nudity in those strip clubs but you know why i allow him to play it is because we've had dialogue about this whole thing lots of his friends play it and the majority of actually what he does in gta is just driving around and customizing (laughs) cars and picking up different cars because he has asperger's and that is what he likes to do in games he doesn't play the game for and and i know this is gonna be crushing to hear for someone like rihanna he doesn't (laughs) care about the narrative (laughs) <laughs> oh, in, in that particular game no. <laughs> in, in that uh, particular game he does not care about the narrative because uh, for him it is all of, he doesn't even go about completing the missions I've been looking I you know I I do to an extent supervise him his computer is in our kitchen area so it's not like he has a computer in his own room yes he is 15 he is playing a game that is 18 plus mature content and I know because I played the game I actually stopped playing GTA 5 because of the torture scene that is about I don't know, probably not even halfway through the game. I couldn't tell you because I didn't finish the game because that scene got me so disturbed that there's no way I wanted to finish it after that. I just had no desire to. And so why would I want to subject my own child to that? Well, because he's actually not going to experience it because we've had conversations about the reasons why he wanted to play the game in the first place. And since I do see him every single time I walk through the kitchen, I'm still looking at the same mission completion indicator on the map in the same exact point because he hasn't completed any of the missions. Right. And I do of course have like Steam parental controls on Hmm. his Steam account and I do authorize what games he does and does not play. So I I do think that context does play a very important part when you're addressing surveys Mm -hmm. like this. But I just enjoyed... Because I I love that you had like 
it actually brought up discussions that maybe you wouldn't have had with him at that yes. age, at that point. And it's always good to discuss things. Like to me, mm. any discussion is like good in a way. Good. Like yeah. it's good to make everything normal and acceptable and being able to talk about it. And if with you, it's via games, it's like, great. Mm. And yet to, to me, it's always the parents' responsibility. Like they should always, you know, put it upon themselves, take it upon themselves to get interested in what their child cares about and see if it's good or not. Like mm. maybe one game is 18 plus, but it's actually fine. Or maybe one is for teens, but you judge that it's not fine for your child, you know, like, yeah, it's just a rating. Well, <laughs> it, it should be respected, <laughs> but like it, you should cater it to what you feel is right for your child, right? Yeah. Did they ask about um, how often or if at all the parents play games with the children? They did not. And I was looking for that, actually, because I felt like that would have been a very interesting statistic to have had. I would venture a guess, though, that given the circumstances and the, the way the numbers kind of worked out in this survey, it would seem to me like these are the parents that are more hands off and probably do not engage in playing these games with their children. I can't say that for a fact. It just, it, it seems like that might be the case, but I would have really loved to have seen that data accompanied by that article, if I'm mm -hmm. honest. Yeah. I, think, I think that's very important. I, and I have a, um, a little story that, that kind of speaks to that. In, in San Francisco, when I was there for GDC, there's a great um, bar, I think it's called Smuggler's Cove. It's a rum bar. Uh, and it's sort of pirate themed inside and it's really dark like if you're going in from the bright san francisco sun uh the sunshine and you go into this bar and you literally can't your eyes take a while to adjust and it's basically <laughs> it's pirate themed and everything is, is is kind of rum cocktails and um i think the, the bouncer there had heard that um like there's lots of video games people in town and he sort of singled me out to ask me particularly about his daughter and, and she was like playing quite a lot of violent games and was that okay and 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 should um like he, he'd be encouraging her to play different games and I was like giving him some advice and say well maybe maybe you should find some games that you could play together and maybe you know watch her playing the game maybe talk to her about it um yeah find, find some stuff that you, you enjoy together and um so we had we had a kind of nice little chat and i was waiting with some friends for a taxi and this guy suddenly this uh, bouncer guy suddenly rushed out and gave me a smuggler's cove mug and then rushed Aww. back again <laughs> the friends were like but why did you get a mug it's just yeah it was just this nice little story about kind of dad playing you know wanting to kind of understand why his daughter was choosing particular games and, and just encouraging them to play together you know i used to play i didn't play games with my dad because they weren't really multiplayer in the same way but I used to watch him play games and I, I used mm. to draw him the maps when I was a kid um and that's how I got into to playing games I would I would get his big office chair and I would tuck myself behind him when I was when I was small like a kind of human bolster cushion and I used to sort of peer <laughs> out behind him while watching him play the games and, and like getting out the graph paper and drawing him the map so I, I kind of made it into a, a sociable multiplayer type experience even before like games had anything like that in there yeah i wish i had more experiences of playing games with my son particularly but um for the most part he enjoys playing games where stereoscopic vision is kind of required i have difficulty seeing certain things in stereoscopic vision so some things like 3d elements i have issues seeing in games 
So we try to play things like Smash together, but if there are moving backgrounds and moving foregrounds on certain levels, I'm not able to actually see the edges. And so it's just like an easy win. It's like, I might as well just put down the controller <laughs> and walk away because it's never gonna happen. But I, you know, I do appreciate that he does try to include me in his games. He doesn't do the whole, well, you're my mom. I don't want to play games with you. There are times when his friends will actually message me um, about certain games. Uh, That's so cute. They were on TeamSpeak the other day, and there was this kid from Russia or Ukraine. I can't recall which. And my son, Orion, was like, you need to talk to this kid. You need to tell him why X game is better than Y game. You need to you need you need to tell him. It's like because I know you've told me. You have to tell him. And, and so I literally putting on this headset, talking to this thirteen year old kid and being like, I love it. I so just but I'm like he includes me in those conversations, and I think that that's great. I think that ga- I think that gaming can really bring parents and their children together in a very unique way. Just as, same way with how games can bring other people from totally different countries together in the same way. Uh, I think social interaction on any level is important. And even though it seems like this day and age, our children aren't engaging uh, enough or as much socially with each other, gaming provides them that capability. It gives them that outlet and allows those personalities to come together. And they are the future. We, we're just letting them play 18 plus games so that way they can feel the realism, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. They are engaging. They're just engaging in a different way. And, you know, they, yeah, we used to say, oh, you know, why don't they go outside? And it's like, because they're going to, to other worlds. They're going into space. They're, they're, they're kind of building cities and, and manning armies. And, and you want them to go outside. Outside's boring, like inside on, on computers and games. That's, that's where the interesting stuff is happening. And I think it's, it, I kind of, it's only when you get to know the games that your kid is into and find games that you like, do, do, you, do you understand that you're, you know, they're going to all these amazing places and they are being sociable. Um, and that's why I think it's really important for, for, you know, parents to not only uh, look at the age rating, but understand what that's going to mean in the context of a game. Because I think parents have a, 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 an idea of what it means in context of a movie and probably a good idea, but not, not so much when it comes to games. Like, what, what does that mean content-wise? What is my kid likely to experience? I mean, you, you, know, you know, because you, you, you work in games, we understand it, but, but not every parent does. And so, yeah, I think it's important to find for parents to come to understand game content and find games that they, they like and, and play with their kids. I think it, it's, it can be a wonderful experience. I agree, especially we have got a new mom, Brooke. What do you, what do you think? I'm curious to know your take before we wrap up here. On just like interacting with your child. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just asking if she was born with a controller in her hand or <laughs> or what do you I think mean, that your approach to your child and, and video games will be? Do you do you think that there is room for I don't know, for that to be a healthy thing from a smaller, you know, younger age, I guess? Um, I mean I I grew up playing games from when I was super young. Um, the sort of games that I played were much simpler, but, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, she'll grow up with games around for sure. You know, Sam and I are always playing something. So if she takes an interest in it and wants to play with us, of course, we're going to be like, yeah, let's play together. You know, um, I think that I would encourage more like cooperative stuff <laughs> from a younger age, like things that we can do together, games that we can play together. Um, but I just, I just want her to feel like she can talk with me about what she's playing, you know? So if that can be established early on, then hopefully it'll continue. <laughs> yeah. That's good. All right. Well, that has been our show. Episode 222 for the Co-Optional Podcast. And hopefully we will be back with you next week. I'm not sure who our guests are going to be next week. I'm still kind of working all of that out. I have rescheduled Maggie. Margaret Crone will be on the podcast, I believe, the end of August. Um, have a couple other invites that are out there in the ether. Hopefully they get accepted. But uh, I have very much enjoyed having our guests on today. Thank you so much, Rihanna and Genevieve. I've... I'm so grateful that both of you inspiring ladies decided to come along and enjoy us for this female-centric podcast episode. Yeah. Oh, thank you for having me. It's good to be back. Thank <laughs> you so much for the invitation. It was my first time. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> you guys and, are awesome. I, I was watching this show like a long time ago, so that's a really cool, like, you know, when, when I went from not being a streamer to like being on the show, it's pretty crazy journey. But yeah. uh, so thank you so much. And thank you for continuing the podcast. It's really cool to follow along how the channel evolves and seems to be headed in a really positive direction. So congrats. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I'm trying to do the best I can. And everybody's <laughs> being super supportive. And I'm so grateful. Um, if you guys are watching this archive on our YouTube channel, it'll be up in two days anyway on uh, youtube.com slash cynicalbrit. Leave us a comment down in the comment section below. Let us know what games you guys are looking forward to for the end of this month or even in August. And also let Jen know what you guys think about Death Garden. Keep in mind we are not sponsored i do want to put that out there we were not sponsored to show any of the death garden footage i just wanted you guys to be able to see what it is that jen has been working on uh with her team over at behavior and um yeah so that's about it thank you guys again so much for tuning in and we will see you next time here on twitch.tv slash total biscuit for the next episode of the co-optional podcast next tuesday at 3 p.m eastern time I have been Jenna Bain. This has been Brooke. <laughs> that's been other Jen. And that's been Rihanna. Yay! It's like the Brady Bunch. It's like, where is everybody? <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.